Thanks for having me. Terror attack, not very far from where you're sitting in, in Toronto. Uh, I, I feel that it has not gotten enough national exposure. I want to give it some more here from Warren Kinsella's perspective on who may be behind the terror attack and whether or not you feel that local authorities are doing enough to, to investigate. Yeah. So um, thanks for having me. Um, uh, slightly more than 24 hours ago, somebody firebombed a um, small delicatessen, really kind of grocery store in uh, Vaughan up at Steeles, kind of the division between North York and, and Toronto. Um, it is a business owned by Russian Jews and it's been there a long time. It's called International Delicatessen Foods. And uh, the sign out front in big letters is their acronym IDF. Uh, so it was firebombed. And um, who did it? Uh, we don't know yet because the police haven't caught the, the criminals who did it. But they spray painted Free Palestine on the walls of IDF. And so that kind of gives you a hint as to who might have done it. Um, so the, the issue, why is it important? Um, well, it was a terrorist act. Using violence or intimidation to achieve a political goal is the definition of terrorism. And now it's uh, happening in Toronto and has been happening in Montreal, shooting up of Jewish schools where little kids go uh, more than once, firebombing of synagogues, firebombing of Jewish uh, community centers, uh, and a mom standing up in front of 20,000 people calling on God to kill the Jews and I like the Jews and so on. And there's stuff happening in Vancouver and right across the, uh, the country. And um, the point that I have made in columns and post media this week, the Globe and Mail has made this morning and others is where the hell are the police? Where the hell are the prosecutors? Um, with the exception uh, I believe, of uh, the attack on Heather Reisman's Indigo bookstore in Toronto a few weeks ago, where it was vandalized and, and attacked. And there were 11 arrests there, so school teachers, professors, paralegal uh, arrested. In that case, uh, apart from a couple other arrests, despite the fact that we've had an explosion in anti-Semitic crime, and to some extent, a lesser extent, Islamophobic crime in the, the country, we haven't had a corresponding number of arrests or prosecutions. And a lot of us are now saying, what are the police doing, if anything? What are our public officials doing, if anything? And it looks very much like none of them are doing anything at all other than wishing, you know, issuing tweets of the, you know, thoughts and prayers variety. And um, a lot of people are enraged by it, and a lot of people are want to have action. Can you recall your specific uh, tweet uh, yesterday? It uh, caught my eye. Uh, this was right at the Toronto Police Service. Uh, I, I can't recall the last time uh, I saw any serious uh, commenter like yourself, author, and everything else. Um, direct, speak directly to uh, any police service in the country the way you did. Yeah, the uh, well, the one thing I should say, just preface it with, is um, I've always been kind of pro-police. Um, 
you know, the police I know for a fact have saved my life in the past when uh, there were some neo-Nazis after me in Ottawa. And uh, I was a cop reporter at the Calgary Herald, at the Ottawa Citizen, uh, known police officers and friends with police officers. And, uh, you know, I, I support them. Um, and yeah, and by the way, I think the, the reason why the Democrats um, didn't do as well in the United States is they had let one wing of the Democratic Party start this defund the police stuff. And that scared away a lot of votes in middle America. So anyway, that's a big, long preface, and I apologize for that. My view is that the rank-and-file officers, the men and women who are on the street and trying to solve crimes and prevent crimes, uh, they're on side with us. They, they agree that there is a growing problem in this country, you know, from this firebombing of this uh, Jewish uh, grocery store yesterday to the blocking every second day of exit and entry ramps to the 401, the busiest highway in North America, being blocked by supposedly pro-Palestinian types in a Jewish neighborhood. They're not near the, the Israeli consulate. You know, They're not in front of the U.S. consulate. They're not down at City Hall. They're going to a Jewish neighborhood. And the reason why they're doing that is to intimidate people and frighten people. So the cops I know and that I've spoken to want to take action. But in Toronto, like in Montreal and other places, they need to hear from elected representatives, specifically the mayors, Valerie Plante in Montreal, Olivia Chow in Toronto, to say, we support the police, we support them taking action against these criminals, and we have their backs. They have not heard that yet. That has not happened yet, and I think that's a big reason why action has not taken place. So how do we uh, explain this uh, to Canadians and, and, and others who are listening around the world? Um, most people in the Western world believe that the police authorities in, in all of their countries and all of their states uh, have independence from political officials. And most people in Canada certainly believe that police have a right to investigate anything that is worthy of investigation, whether it's uh, the Mounties or local uh, police services, and that they don't, uh, they, they don't uh, go by whatever some local official called a mayor is saying. So I want you to take your time on, on this, because surely to God, if, if, we have a, if, if in this country uh, we now have to believe that police... Uh, wait uh, for green lights uh, from from local politicians, then we've got a bigger problem than than, than most people w- would would tend to think we have, and it's got nothing to do with with Israel and, and Palestine. It's got to do with our police services. Yeah, no, and you and you make an excellent point, but the the thing that um, people I think often forget or don't know is no elected official can give a direction to police or prosecutors, nor should they. That's obstruction of justice. That's why Justin Trudeau got in trouble with the Jody Wilson-Raybould SNC-Lavalette corruption prosecution is because he was seen to be interfering in that process. So you can't do that if you're a politician. It's against the rules. It's against the law. Um, But there is, I guess, what I'm talking about is not the law. I'm talking about psychology. you know, there was an extraordinary scene at the Eaton Centre, and I think you and I have talked about it a couple of weeks ago, just over the holidays. So some of these pro-Palestinian, in my view, pro-Hamas uh, people 
bust into the uh, Eaton Center, one of the biggest and busiest, you know, shopping centers in the country, um, and yelling and screaming around Santa Claus, because, you know, of course, Santa Claus is involved in arranging a ceasefire in the Middle East, I guess. And um, there was confrontation that was recorded on video. And it was an extraordinary scene where uh, right in front of a group of police officers, one of these masked thugs actually makes a death threat to somebody who's off camera saying, I'm going to put you six feet under. And what made it even more extraordinary is the police officers were right there. They were three feet away from this character and they did nothing. They didn't arrest him. So, you know, since that moment, since that extraordinary moment that's gone around the world, people have said, well, what the hell? What's happened to the Canadian police? Why aren't they acting on this? And so, as I say, it's not a matter of law. We've got the laws in the criminal code and human rights codes and so on. We've got lots of laws to deal with these types of things that are happening. Blocking the highway, blocking the 401. That's contrary to multiple federal and provincial statutes, municipal ones too. So they've got the laws, but we need to see the will. And so the police, I'm not absolving the police completely. Uh, You know, they, as you say, they do have discretion uh, to arrest and detain people and, and to arrange for prosecution. But there's a political hesitation in the country and, um, you know, as you know, I pay a lot of attention to politics and how politics, politicians react to events. There, there is this holdback, and I don't get it. Um, you know, for example, there was a Canadian woman who was murdered by Hamas on October 7th. And we only found out about um, the fact that she was, in fact, murdered and not a hostage a few days ago. Joe Biden issued a statement about her uh, you know, expressing remorse for the loss of her. And the prime minister is not. So, you know, she was Canadian. Like, why why hasn't that happened? And I think, you know, when people start to do a political calculation, well, you know, maybe there's not so many Jews in the country, but there's a lot more of other people. Maybe I don't have to be as concerned about Jews. That's a very dangerous political road to go down. I just uh, want to ask you uh, just a reality check here. Are you sure that uh, the prime minister hasn't? Because I believe I saw a tweet from the prime minister just a, only, a couple he, of days ago. Yeah, he only did after quite a few of us kicked the shit out of him. And so they finally did. But Joe Biden went first. And mm-hmm. that's noteworthy. And, um, and you know, you have to admit that uh, Trudeau, you know, at the start, he was quite good on this file. And since then, uh, he hasn't really been good at all. You know, you can talk to anybody in the Jewish community, they'll tell you the same thing. And his foreign affairs minister, Melanie Jolie, has been just an unmitigated disaster. Took her 62 days, 62 days to acknowledge that Israeli women and girls had been raped and had been the victims of sexual violence on October 7th. 62 days. That's not acceptable. All right, so let, let's go straight to the politics, because I, I, I could give a hoot whether it's a conservative uh, prime minister, a liberal prime minister. Uh, th- this stuff is, is larger than politics to me. Are you saying that uh, the government is making this issue all about politics and the simple demographic fact that Muslims outnumber Jews? I mean, if that's, if that's what it is, let's just put it out there. I don't know what their, their motivation is. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I hope it's not about politics. But, you know, when politicians are largely silent, 
and they're just in, issuing tweets that sound like they were generated by AI, um, you know, it becomes people start speculating and saying, what's really going on here? I would hope very much that, you know, the prime minister and any other politician is not being guided by political demographics as to what their response should be. Their response should be, this is a terrorist act that took place in city of Vaughan um, on uh, January the 3rd. It was a firebombing of a Jewish business in a Jewish neighborhood, and we need to take action against that. And it's important to do that because on the same day in the city of London, you know, the Muslim community came together because there's a big Muslim community in London, and I've worked with them. And to remember this family who were slaughtered by a white supremacist on the streets of London because they were out just walking after dinner one night, and he mowed them down. So both those events happen on the same day. And I would say that both those communities, because both have been victims over the years, are looking to their elected representatives to step up and show some leadership. And that is not happening federally, provincially, and municipally. It's not happening. All right. I'm bending over backwards to try to figure out what's happening to our our country here. Um, So let me ask this. Is it possible that somebody or some people need to be killed? I ask because of your reference to uh, the incident in London. A family was mowed down. They were slaughtered. Is that what we have to have happening in the Jewish community for everybody uh, to be doing the right thing here? I don't know. and But it sure as hell feels like it's heading in that direction. You know, the event in London... Now, admittedly, it was before October 7th, but, you know, a dad and a mom, uh, she was an engineer and respected. He was a physiotherapist for senior citizens who loved him. His mom was with them. She was living with them and come over from Pakistan. And their daughter, this beautiful girl who had painted the walls at their school, at her school and was loved by everybody there and a little boy, their little boy. And he survived, but with terrible injuries. Like, what does it take? When when something like that happens in one of our major cities in this country, what does it take, you know, after there's a firebombing of a Jewish business solely because it is Jewish or a synagogue or a school like the school in Montreal, Charles, they were shot up not once, but twice. The Shiva school. I think you know where it is. That school is attended by grade one students, seven year olds like, you know, pardon my French, like what the fuck is going on in this country that our political representatives are not motivated to do something about the little Muslim girl who was murdered or the little Jewish kids who are being targeted by bullets? Like what is happening? This is not Canada. You know, and we keep saying to ourselves and it's the editorial saying this is not who we are. Well, maybe maybe this is who we are now. This is what we've become. But I'm telling you, this is being noticed around the world. People are saying, that's happening in Canada? Boring, sleepy Canada? But people are noticing. And uh, shame on us. Well, let's pursue that question then. Once again, that's larger than politics and it's larger than uh, this particular issue. Is this who we become? Have we become indifferent? Have we become a people that only gets engaged in something that only directly affects us 
and I'll use the ugly T word, tribe. Is it, has Canada become just a, a bunch of tribes like so many other countries, and each tribe is independent in terms of its motivation and could care less what is going on with the other tribe? Is that is that the Canada of 2024? I, I, I never thought that's what we were. Never did I think that's where, you know, as you know, I've been writing about organized hatred and, and systemic hatred for more than 30 years. And I knew it was always there. You've had me on your show many times over the years to talk about what takes place from Vancouver Island to Prince Edward Island. It happens everywhere. Nobody's got a monopoly on virtue. But it was never this bad. It was never this bold. Like making a death threat in front of a cop and getting away with it. You know, calling on God to annihilate the Jews in front of 20,000 people and you're still walking the streets. So, you know, the bad guys are always going to be bad guys. But what the bad guys are observing, and I know this from my cop reporter days, if they don't see the authorities stepping in to stop them and deter them, well, what happens? They become more bold, right? They get more in your face. And that is precisely what's happening in, in the country. I'm not a sociologist. I can't tell you at the moment, you know, what public opinion really believes about the Jewish people or the Muslim people. Um, the polling says that we overwhelmingly, you know, in the 80s, condemned these protests, blocking of highways and, and threats and graffiti and all that stuff. People disapprove of it. But it, there hasn't been a corresponding action in their elected representatives. And that I find mystifying because this is politically, to be sound cynical, this is low-hanging fruit. Like coming out firmly and strongly against expressions of hatred, criminal expressions of hatred, that's as easy as it gets in politics. Like well, you yeah, don't need I, it. You know, it's simple. I, I am, I'm totally flummoxed. I mean, we're basically the same generation. We're about, about the same age. And, and, you know, you call it low-hanging fruit. It's as easy as it gets. I mean, that's exactly how I respond to all of these incidents. I can, I can write the press releases in a coma. Yep. Um, and so anyway, let, let's, let, let's get past this and uh, go to something um, completely different. Sorry, um, I you, used the F word there, but I wouldn't be on your show if I didn't use the F word. So. <laughs> well, this time you didn't use it on me. <laughs> so, so I want to get to something. Uh, a Here's lot my teacup. Look, fighter. All right. There you go. Fighter. You're a fighter. The other day, uh, you know, we were informed by you that uh, you're basically a walking Irish buyer fight. Is that the correct? Yeah, call? that's what one of my buddies, uh, Cal Bricker, John Wright, one of those guys called me that. and It's stuck. I think it's in Wikipedia somewhere. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, uh, look, uh, the, the walking Irish uh, bar fight, uh, no doubt, will be hoisting a few uh, very, very soon because it's the uh, 90th birthday of, and I hope you don't mind me uh, calling him this because this is what I believe in my heart, uh, knowing you for about 30 years now, um, your, um, your, your number one political mentor, and in, in some ways, uh, next to uh, your late uh, father, Dr. Kinsella, uh, I, I would say uh, the, the strongest father figure you've had in your life next to him, uh, Jean Chrétien, is about to turn 90. And I think to the uh, walking Irish bar fight, it's a very, very big deal. It is a big deal. So some of us are going to be gathering. I'm not breaching any confidence because it'll leak out. There'll be a Lawrence Martin column or something on it. Um, and, and I'm writing about it for Sunday's paper. 
And so before we started talking this morning, you know, I was kind of going riffing through my mind. I'm not going to recycle, you know, all of his political successes, of which there are many, you know, like 40 years in politics, never lost three back to back majorities, ever held every portfolio, never any personal. <laughs> I'm, not gonna re- I'm not going <laughs> to recycle. But there I go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Um, but but he he was just uh, and he is just this remarkable guy, uh, Charles, like he um, and I think it's because he's not a snob, you know, uh, can I tell you one more story? Yeah, I start, start the piece with this. So a few years ago, I was in Vancouver for business. So was he. We decided to get together, you know, in Gastown down near Water Street. And we had a bite. And then he said, you know, it was, it was one of those rare sunny days in Vancouver. He said, let's go for a walk. And we went walking actually towards close to where you used to work in Vancouver and towards, you know, the waterfront station where the sea bus goes and all that. Yeah. And, and people are like, hey, Jean, you know, and smiling and waving and all that stuff. Just want to shake his hand on, on the way. There was just one RCMP guy assigned to him and me. And um, so we get to the C-Bus station and, you know, there's some people, I assume, who are homeless there. And there was one guy, he was enormous. Like we're talking, this guy was Andre the Giant. And he gets himself up off the sidewalk and he just starts making a very rapid beeline towards us. And I was like, holy shit, Lamaird, I'm going to have to be a body shield for the prime minister. <laughs> and um, this this uh, guy, this rough looking guy comes up to Gretchen and he sticks out his hand and his hand was big as a ham. And he, <laughs> and he says, he says to Gretchen, Gretchen, thanks for keeping us out of Iraq. Give me five bucks. <laughs> and we all burst into laughter. And then Gretchen reached into his wallet and gave him five bucks. And they sat there talking like they were old friends. And uh, that's Sean Gretchen, you know, where he had, uh, and has an ability to connect with people at the level of humanity. And it's so lacking from politics uh, these days. You know, the people who are there now federally, they may be very nice people, but I see them as political pygmies compared to my guy. Uh, and admittedly, I'm biased, but he <laughs> he is uh, he's pretty extraordinary. So his birthday, uh, his 90th birthday, it's going to be a fun celebration. We'll see some of the people around him and all of us have done well because of our association with him. But if all of us are being honest with ourselves, we're successful just because we were following in his wake. It was all about him, always about him. Do you think we'll ever see a time in this country where a prime minister can walk the streets of this country anywhere with only one security individual, one dedicated security professional and a walking Irish bar fight? I mean, do you think that'll ever happen again? I hope so. I mean, it gets back to what we were just talking about a minute ago, you know, and as I said on your show last week, you know, why is Polyev ahead? Polyev, I see, is this angry guy. He's pissed off all the time. The country's (laughs) broken and all that stuff. The country's not broken, but the country is angry right now. And I find it mystifying. You know, the United States just announced just a few minutes ago, you know, what the job numbers are. I'm assuming today Canadian job numbers are going to be the same. Like our economy, the country's, you know, we're in pretty good shape, notwithstanding all of this expressions of hatred on the streets. And, um, but that people are angry and um, there's a lot of resentment in the land. And I think this is precisely the time we need somebody like Kretzian to say, cut it out, everybody. We got it good. Here's a good story for you to listen to and have them 
listen to the story, but you know, the, nobody's doing that. They're all pandering to the anger and the division. And uh, that's a dangerous road to take. One day people will say that uh, there are no Kinsella's around. So uh, we got to keep Thank God for that. We got to keep it ex- <laughs> My many ex-wives will be happy to hear that. I'm glad that you're I'm glad that you're drinking your tea and I'm glad that you've got uh, romance in your life and I'm certainly glad to have you back in my life cuz you kind of disappeared for a few months and I thought is it is is it him or is it me it was just it just seemed so odd cuz we were getting together regularly and then we had a, a couple of months of a, a just a bizarre well, You hiatus. didn't have a show. You didn't have a show to bring me on. Now you got a show so here I am. So I didn't uh, know that I needed a show to be able to visit me. <laughs> oh yeah, well I have extended no cut it out. Don't do that. I have extended an invitation to you, Charles Adler, to come and visit me in Prince Edward County and meet my gal, who we will not name because there's bad people out there who are looking to hurt Warren all the time. I have invited you to come and stay with us. So, like, cut the bullshit. Like, you <laughs> <do>. <laughs> so Okay, you don't come. get a kidder. I pre- appreciate it very much. Warren, uh, I know you, you've got a, a busy day ahead of you. Uh, you've done uh, God's work here. Uh, but I, I do want to pass on uh, because he was my my dad's favorite as well. So on behalf of uh, the late to Mike Adler, happy birthday uh, to the little guy from Schoenigan who kept us out of Iraq. Happy birthday to Jean Chrétien. Thank you, sir. And I'll tell him, he remembers you. He remembers you. He knows who you are. So I will tell him that.